I think it's important to remember to pay attention to people who do things that defy limiting expectations, like my next guest, Sarah Van Patten. Sarah is a principal dancer with the San Francisco Ballet, which means she already exists in a league of elite artists and athletes. She's played Juliet in Romeo and Juliet, the Lilac Fairy in Sleeping Beauty, the Mermaid in The Little Mermaid, and she is a superstar who defied expectations by dancing while pregnant. Now, a pregnant ballerina who is continuing to take to the stage may not be what many people have in mind when they think of the ballet. But Sarah decided that it was, in fact, possible for her to marry her joy about her impending motherhood with her passion for her work. And so, after consulting with her doctors, who said it was okay, she danced lead roles during the first trimester of her second pregnancy, including giving a performance on the Kennedy Center stage. And during her last trimester, she performed in the Barack Ballet's Before You Had a Name, which was choreographed by Danielle Rowe. I saw that performance. Sarah was very pregnant. And let me tell you, she did not miss a step. It was powerful and beautiful and elegant. So listen, my conversation with Sarah isn't just about what you should do or what you shouldn't do when you're pregnant. In fact, we are very explicitly not giving you medical advice. We're not telling you what to do. What I hope you get from this conversation, whether or not you're pregnant, and I'm not pregnant, is why it's really important to define yourself in a way that surpasses the limitations that others would impose on you. Take a listen. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So first off, I just saw you dance and brava on a really beautiful performance. You were very, very pregnant. And I have to tell you, I have never seen such an active, physical, and it was a very sensual performance uh, by someone who was so visibly pregnant. What was also interesting about this piece was that on stage with you was a violinist who was also very pregnant. What was the name of your violinist? Heather Powell. And how far along was Heather? Heather was in her second trimester, so I'd say mid-20s, where I was 34 weeks. I am 34 weeks currently. So the name of this piece is Before You Had a Name. I'm assuming that it has something to do with motherhood or birthing. Maybe I just assumed that because you both were pregnant, and it was such a visual part of the performance. Yes, it was definitely a, a collaboration between a few women. Heather, the violinist, being one, myself, dancing uh, while pregnant, being another, and Danielle, who's the choreographer, who has a a two-and-a-half-year-old who's actually a very good friend of my son, who's three, and the fourth lady involved, um, Alyssa, who did the projections. That was also very much an important part element within this piece. So the four of us came together in this idea for this project to create something where, like you mentioned, watching it visually is not something that you, you know, go to the theater and see a dancer 
who is this pregnant where you would imagine would be inhibited by that, um, able to express in my art form something that what we were hoping would be very beautiful and kind of give an important message of strength and beauty within this very special time in a female body and in a life when you're creating a life. And I think to create a platform where that was possible in a performance was very unique because it isn't something that's seen or thought of as possible. So we all came together with this idea, wanting to empower others to find strength and beauty in their own lives in approaching motherhood and taking on the pregnancy plunge, if you were to say. It was a beautiful piece. I was really taken with how athletic you were during the performance. I mean, I can only imagine that it is much harder to do those movements with pounds and pounds of a human (laughs) in front of you. I mean, how challenging is it? Because you're really, you were up, you're down, you're on the floor, you were really all over the place. You know, I think what was interesting is in my head, thinking about it, this is definitely going to be very challenging when we first started working on it. But what was amazing is I'm actually a lot more capable than I thought I would be. And I think a lot of that is a testament to kind of how we view pregnancy and women. Now, I do have to say I've had a very uncomplicated pregnancy. So I've been able to be very active in this pregnancy because of that. So I I don't want to give the impression that every pregnancy you should be able to just go out and And go do a dance, go do a, go perform. I happen to be having a pregnancy that is going really well that enabled me to be physical. And because I'm able to be physical, I was able to really trust in my body. And then instead of get caught up in, you know, I'm, I need to put myself in some box or shell, I feel like having that trust kind of made me surprised in myself of what I was able to do. And it seems like, you know, in the choreography that we ended up creating with Danielle, making something really beautiful that you wouldn't necessarily think was possible, but I'm still letting my body become fully pregnant. So I, I've gained the weight that's needed. I'm embracing the full pregnancy experience, but because of my years and years of being a principal dancer for as long as I've been, I definitely surprised myself with how much I was able to really do. And I think that's a testament to the project and to what we were trying to kind of bring out. I'm talking to Sarah Van Patten, a principal dancer with the San Francisco Ballet. Sarah recently performed as a guest dancer in Danielle Rose Before You Had a Name, which was recently performed at the Broad's Eyed Theater in Santa Monica. I saw it. It was an incredible performance. As Sarah mentions, this was a collaboration between four women to really do something that was uh, unique. Danielle Rowe choreographed the piece, Elisa Lapidus put on some very beautiful artistry, incredible projections that were behind the dancers and behind the violinist, Heather Powell, who, like Sarah, was also visibly pregnant. Danielle Rowe choreographed this piece. How unusual is it for you, Sarah, to work with a woman choreographer in all of your years of dance? Well, 
I've been a principal dancer for 18 seasons with San Francisco Ballet. And two seasons prior to that, I danced with the Royal Danish. So I've had a 20-year professional dance career in San Francisco Ballet being one of the top companies in the world. And I work with probably two or three choreographers a season. And I've only worked with one female choreographer in that period. So I'm not good with math, but <laughs> that, is, that is definitely a very, very, very rare thing in the dance world to have a female come in, especially in a major ballet company. And it's only very recently started to change. So working with Danielle and not only just working with her, but I really believe in her work. I believe she's incredibly talented and she's just started to kind of break through this with those numbers. So I felt very passionately about working with her and of course, working with her on such an amazing project. Did it feel different or particularly empowering in some way to be a part of this production choreographed by a woman? Your violinist was a woman. And the person who did those beautiful artistic projections, Alyssa, another woman, was there something special about the performance in that respect? Yes, definitely. This is one of the few times where I've had the opportunity because I am not currently dancing on the San Francisco Ballet stage where I've been able to go outside of what is my you know normal performing schedule and do something that I'm a lot more in charge of, if you were to say. So that alone made it something that was special and unique. And then on top of that, to be able to come together where, you know, the four of us would have conversations, sit around and think together and, you know, come up with ideas and just kind of have this very collaborative space was a very unique and powerful experience. I mean, I felt very uplifted throughout the process because, as you mentioned in the beginning, I danced until I was 13 weeks pregnant and I kept it to myself. I kept it to myself because I needed to be on stage with the other dancers in San Francisco Ballet and perform and stay at the same level, whether or not I was pregnant or not pregnant. And then, of course, at that point, 13 weeks with a second baby, you really start to show. So that was the last performance that I was able to do with the company. And then moving out of that, it's a difficult profession because there's not much you can continue to do performing-wise. You can stay in shape, you can take ballet class, but it's a visual art form. And so you can kind of just feel like you get swept aside. So it felt very empowering and strengthening. Sarah, you said something that's really interesting. Doing this performance made you realize that you were more capable than you thought. Tell us what you mean by that. So what I mean by that is... This is my second pregnancy. And in my first pregnancy, I put myself in, I would say, a bubble or in a container when I found out that I was pregnant. Um, I felt like I needed to conserve and, you know, do all the things necessary to make sure that I was very healthy. And that included not doing much activity, feeling like that's what I needed to do. So I contained myself a lot more. So Um, was that on the advice and recommendation of your doctors or was that simply because you thought you needed to take everything down a big notch? 
It definitely was not the advice of my doctors. It was more, I think, just the image that I had of what a woman needs to do when she gets pregnant, which is eat, sleep, and be minimally active. And after going through that experience, I had a really hard time after that pregnancy, kind of coming back into my profession towards the end of the pregnancy. And just emotionally, it was more difficult for me because I feel like I yearned for my body, my self-expression for kind of who I really am. And I've been a ballerina ever since I was eight years old, leaving that in order to go through the pregnancy, feeling like I had to, was very difficult and traumatic in some senses, if you want to use that word. Pulling yourself out of the world during (laughs) that first pregnancy made it harder for you to come back after you had the baby. Yes, it made it harder for me to come back. I really missed it throughout my pregnancy. And I feel like I wasn't able to almost fully enjoy the time that I could have even more if I had felt, you know, like if I had a platform like I did this pregnancy in order to have that self-expression. So for me personally, it was a very difficult kind of like sad time, (laughs) even though I was having wonderful experiences that I otherwise probably wouldn't have because, you know, I have been a professional dancer ever since I was a teenager and I've never taken more than a month or two off due to small injury or summer vacation. So it was the first time that I had almost a year of not dancing. I want to be really clear with people. Sarah made clear that this was not her doctor's advice, that she sort of remove herself from things in this way. And I also want to be clear that her subsequent dancing, which we'll get into, was all at her doctor's advice. She's a professionally trained dancer who's been dancing since she was eight. This is not somebody who's just playing at twerking in the bathroom. So (laughs) this is what works for her and what worked for her. We're not telling you what to do with yourselves and with your bodies. But let's go back to your body, Sarah, because motherhood was not my path. And so it's really interesting for me to hear as somebody who didn't give birth that your experience, that you kind of missed the rest of the world. Because I think that for a lot of us, we assume that, you know, when you're pregnant, all you want to do is live in your happy bubble of pregnancy and looking forward to baby stuff, which I understand to be a very exciting time for people. I think that it's important that people understand that at least your experience as a pregnant woman was something in which you wanted a little more than just to be pregnant uh, during that time. Am I putting that fairly? I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, I think the way you're articulating it is actually right on. I had this image, and again, whether or not be from society or what, that I needed to keep myself from being able to be self-expressive in the way that I am in my everyday life. And by doing that, I really lost a part of myself in that time that was emotionally very difficult for me then throughout that pregnancy. And it made for me towards the end, I was really yearning. I was really missing, you know, my physical self-expression because I have been an artist. I've been a ballerina ever since I was eight years old. And going that long without dancing was really hard because, again, there is no platform in our world for pregnant ballerinas. (laughs) 
I'm one of very, very few ballerinas to even go through a pregnancy, a birth, and return to the stage, let alone in this pregnancy actually perform. So I think I learned from that experience for when I got pregnant with my second child that I wanted it to be different. I wanted to feel like I could celebrate myself. I could enjoy my pregnancy. I've had, luckily, a very healthy pregnancy, so I've been able to be part of this project that really gave me the outlet that I needed and I missed that first pregnancy that was depressing, that made me feel physically, emotionally, and and then, of course, at birth. It's not a vacation for nine months by any means. So just coming back into the pregnancy and having this has been just an incredible, incredible, inspiring and helpful part of what I've been going through while I'm creating this human being and will return to the stage once I have him. He's you're having a little boy. Yeah. Your second boy, correct? My second boy, yes. I'm talking to Sarah Van Patten, a principal dancer with the San Francisco Ballet, guest dancer in Danielle Rose, Before You Had a Name, which she performed in her third trimester of pregnancy. So you find out you're pregnant, you're very, very happy, but you are apprehensive about what this is going to mean for you work-wise. So you just keep going to work and you don't tell anybody. Now, Tell us how you come to the decision to continue dancing during your first trimester while at the same time keeping it secret. Because at one point you're on the Kennedy stage. So tell us about that. Yes. So I, there was a mix of reasons as to why I continued before saying anything. First reason is for obvious I think reasons is you want to get far enough along to where you know that the pregnancy is going to stay, if you would. And waiting until you're through that 10, 12 week mark is really important just because, you know, there is a possibility that it might not stay through that period. The other part about it, and for whatever reason, I just felt like I was coming into these performances in the Kennedy Center. I was dancing two of the ballets on one of the programs, and I wanted to know that I was dancing at the same level that I would have been dancing whether I was pregnant or not pregnant um, with the rest of the company. And I guess being a pregnant ballerina, it was important to me that I didn't all of a sudden, if I, you know, revealed that I was pregnant, be looked at any differently. So you checked with your doctor in advance, I'm assuming. Yes. <laughs> and your doctor yeah. says, no problem. You can oh, yeah. I mean, you tell it. a doctor that you want to, you know, continue. And I remember, as I mentioned before, with my first pregnancy, uh, I explained that I was the principal ballerina and that I, you know, my rigorous uh, rehearsal days and I was waiting for her to say, okay, well, it's important for you to really kind of, you know, stop doing this and that and all this stuff. And she said, oh, well, you could probably keep going till you're five, six months. And I looked at her thinking, like, really? It surprised me from a medical standpoint, as long as I'm feeling good and I'm able to continue. Was your and husband supportive? Very supportive. And we talked a lot about having another child. It wasn't something that just kind of happened and we were like, yay. It was something that we very much discussed for 
quite some time before because of the implications that it has on my career, on my body, on somebody who's 34 and had an 18-year career as a ballerina. So he's definitely been incredibly supportive and has always made it so that you know, ultimately it is my decision in terms of what I want to do. And so he's always been incredible in that sense. I'm talking to Sarah Van Patten, a principal ballerina with the San Francisco Ballet, guest dancer and Danielle Rose, Before You Had a Name. I saw Sarah perform in Before You Had a Name, which she did while in her third trimester. It was an incredible, riveting performance. I thought it was absolutely beautiful. Sarah, what are some assumptions that you think that people have about pregnant women and pregnancy that just aren't warranted? I think when women get, well, at least when I got pregnant the first time, it was that I needed to basically be a homebody, you know, be eating and sleeping. And yes, there's a component of that that is important for your body, but basically remove myself from my normal everyday activities because now I'm pregnant. And so I'm kind of this boxed in, you know, person. And I felt after going through that, that's not the case and that I feel a lot more empowered in this pregnancy to be much more active, to continue to dance, to continue to self-express. And because I don't have any medical limitations, that I can go out and live my life as I pretty much did before and bring my pregnancy through that and not prohibit myself from those things that I used to do just because I'm pregnant. So you danced during your first trimester, including giving a performance at the Kennedy Center in Washington. Nobody knows. Nobody knows you're pregnant at the time. (laughs) And then after the fact, you're like, hey, you guys, guess what? I did that while I was in my first trimester. What were people saying? Were they like, oh, my gosh, you're our hero? Or were they like, what? Like, what was the reaction? Um. I had told a few of my close friends because I was, you know, second pregnancy, as many people know, you start to show sooner. And when you're 12, 13 weeks, you start to get that level of just kind of rim around your midsection. And being a ballerina, when you're wearing tight clothing, that can become very visible very fast. So I was informed by some of these close friends that, okay, it's time to maybe make sure you're wearing an extra layer or two because we can tell that there's that little extra layer that's showing up just in your midsection, but nowhere else on your body. So there were definitely signs that were starting to happen in those last two, three weeks that I was kind of trying to just, you know, mitigate through, if you were to say. But honestly, like... It wasn't until before the last show that I did kind of inform the staff that I was pregnant and, you know, so that the company then knew to prepare for me to miss the entire season. And at that time, as I said, they were definitely not expecting it, I think, because maybe I have a child and maybe because I was performing and I was continuing to be at the level that I was even when I was not pregnant and pretty much in the same form, even though I had started shifting slightly, but I had manipulated things in a way so that it wasn't as obvious. Um, But ultimately, I think everybody 
celebrated the news of it for sure. Um, because I, you know, I have been there for a long time on that level, you do kind of start to become this family unit. And so I did have a lot of support coming out of the company for people who I've worked with and been with for such a long time. I'm talking to Sarah Van Patten, a principal ballerina with the San Francisco Ballet. I know that your experience is unique and personal to you. We're not giving medical advice. We're not telling women what they should or shouldn't do when they're pregnant. Those are decisions they should make with their doctors. I would like to ask you, though, if you think that there are things that professional dance companies could do to be more accommodating to ballerinas who want to have families, because as you point out, you know, it's not really like being a lawyer, right? Because you can take some time off and then women come back, you know, they come back to the practice in their forties and their fifties and later It strikes me based on some of what I've learned from you that, you know, returning to the stage at 40 or 50 as a principal ballerina is probably not the usual path. So if you want to have children as a dancer, I imagine you need to sort of do that and make it work in some way with your professional life. How do you think the dance community can be better accommodating to mothers? I think that's a great question. And I would love to see other women take the chance, experience pregnancy and motherhood and come back to their art forum. Because honestly, until you become a mom, and for me, I feel like my career has actually just started. It's actually just taken off because of the experience that I've had being a mother, that enriching role, I just find so unbelievably valuable. I think the more mothers, the more women who feel the support and comfort into taking that risk, that dive, will start to kind of realize the benefits that can come out of having you know, women who are in a more mature place in their careers and experiencing the amazing aspects of motherhood while being able to enrich their artistic careers on the stage. What's been the hardest thing about continuing to perform while you've been pregnant? Has it been the physicality of it or is it something else? I think there's a mix of things. I think something else to bring up is, you know, in a lot of fields, you have people you can talk to. You have, you know, so-and-so's been through it and, you know, knows how to help juggle X, Y, or Z. And that's what I think is also difficult is there aren't very many mothers for me to turn to when I'm trying to figure like, how do you juggle your child? Because I have a toddler, I'm dancing and I'm pregnant. There's nobody that I turn to who's done this before. So you're a trailblazer. That's the kind of thing is like I just take one day and I'm I'm figuring it out. But that's what's exciting about trying to, you know, open this avenue and this door for more female ballerinas and artists and dancers to feel like they can continue to stay on the stage, be mothers and still be celebrated and wanted within the community and also be able to then obviously come back to it. And what are the ins and outs of making that work and how can we support each other to do it? And I think once we actually have a community of women who are doing it, it's going to really help to empower others 
But when there's not very many other people that are doing this, you know, you're out there on your own pretty much. Sarah, you have been dancing since you were eight and you're now 34. So that's a lot of years. That's a lot of dancing. And I know that you've probably had to stare down a number of obstacles or people who would be obstacles. Have there been circumstances during your long and illustrious career where someone has just suggested to you that you weren't good enough? Have you ever had that happen to you? Oh my goodness. It's the ballet career. (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that happens a lot. How do you get past that? Because one of the things that I want to do in this podcast is to give people some encouragement, tactics, strategies, anything possible from people who have stared down powerful obstacles. So what do you have to say out there to people who are facing somebody who says, you know what, you're not good enough to be a dancer. You're too pregnant to continue doing this work that you want to do. Whatever it is that they may be facing, what do you want to tell that person about how to blow past that obstacle? I think what I've learned over my years, and it's taken many, many years of being told through many avenues, just because it is such a competitive field. It is a field where you need to have a really, really tough backbone. You need to know how to put up a shield. You need to know how to find a way to take care of yourself when things do get really tough and you're given very personal and difficult criticism and told that you're not going to make it. You're not good enough. You don't look right. You don't whatever it is, um, because it's a really, really hard thing to take in and to rise up out of. And I think with my years of many instances of that, I've learned that finding a way to take in the criticism and embracing what is going to be helpful for you and knowing that I can empower myself through the experience of hearing the critical part that will only push me to then move past what the negative information or advice that is that I'm getting. I understand their concerns. I understand their point of view and finding a way of making it my own, rising above and not doing it out of spite of what was said, but doing it out of growth within my own being to be a version of whatever it is that I, I do feel like is possible. Sorry. Sarah, that is wonderful advice for people. I have to tell you, I think that you are an inspiration and a role model, a trailblazer, as I said, a reminder that if there is something that you want to do that you feel that you should do, you should be there and be in that. And I saw you dance and I just have to say this again, your performance and before you had a name uh, choreographed by Danielle Rowe, just beautiful. It was such a vibrant performance and also really inspiring to me. And I really have to thank you for being here because I think that you are going to inspire a lot of people, not just dancers, you know, people who just want to hear that there's a way past the no. So thank you for being here and thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for having me. That was Sarah Van Patten, one of a number of extraordinary people helping to lead the charge against being limited by anyone's expectations other than your own. Thanks for listening.
If you like us, and I hope you do, please subscribe on iTunes. Please leave us a five-star rating and a review, and maybe I'll even have a chance to read it on the air. The Tanya Acker Show is written and executive produced by me. Our editor is Roland Tia. Our composer is Evan Cunningham. Our social media consultant is Independent Creativity. Our production assistants are Chris Embry and Rachel Robillard. Our production consultant is Mike Agavino. And we record our program at the Network Studios in Culver City, California.